Perfect. So, hello to you, gentlemen, and, and welcome to our Ambiente postcard, podcast. Sorry for, for the bad language. Um, ahead of the, the 2022 Ambiente Fair in Frankfurt. Uh, I'm happy to see you all here. Um, and as a brief introduction to our listeners, viewers um, everywhere, if I would be grateful if you took turns in introducing yourself and, and explaining a little bit of what you do, where you're located, um, and then we take it from there. So Dave, you want to start out? Absolutely. First of all, Jasper, thank you for hosting us. Uh, this is fantastic, and uh, it's great to be with you, Marcos and Ria, too. Uh, um, it's always great to get together with other people in the Hareka industry. Uh, I'm Dave Turner. I'm from the United States of America, and I am the chief evangelist and editor of Tabletop Journal. And for the last 10 and a half, nearly 11 years, we've been a publication that's been devoted globally to covering the Hareka only the Hereka, not the retail, but Hereka tabletop uh, sector and anything that really may have impact to it. Uh, we've, we started off with a very narrow focus and now we've broadened it because there's so many things that impact uh, the Hereka tabletop industry these days. And uh, I'm really thrilled to be with my colleagues from around the world. Uh, it really is always great to get a great global perspective because uh, there's a lot going on today, a lot of questions and hopefully maybe at least one or two answers to some of them. So that's me. Marcos, you want to take over? Absolutely. Hi, hi all. It's great to be here. Thank you for the invite. Jasper, it's nice to meet you, Dave, Riha. We'll see you soon, hopefully. And uh, uh, well, this is a second generation family company. We're, we're located in Bogota, Colombia. Uh, we've been in the business for uh, a little over 35 years. Always Horeca uh, as well. And uh, what we do is we, we, we try to bring the latest trends and the most professional brands in the world for our food service industry, for our Horeca industry. Uh, we've been doing it with much success. Uh, we have a, a great deal of national and local manufacturing here, but uh, we've been able to manage with, with great brands and great partners around the world to, to lead this, this Horeca industry in Colombia. Obviously, uh, regarding Ambiente, what we do is, I mean, what we expect is, is always going there every year to see what's new, uh, the latest trends, the uh, innovation and strengthening our relationship with partner brands, uh, of course, which is very important for us. So you only operate in Colombia? Or? We only operate in Colombia, yes. Okay. Um, yeah. we, we, we sell some we sell some to to some some neighboring countries but it's uh more like they they purchase from us and they want us to deliver but it's not that we have a, a specialized distribution in those countries like Bolivia and Panama uh, some Ecuador but it's it's uh it's not our core business Leah uh, please. Yeah, uh, Jesper, it's uh, also great to be here. Thank you very much for the invitation. My uh, pleasure. Cool. Um, my name is Reha Tavil, and um, I'm the Sales and Mar Marketing Director of Bona. Um, I'm in the industry, Horeca industry with Bona about eight years so far since we launched the brand. Um, our company 
And a brand is, we are porcelain manufacturer find, founded in 1981. And we are uh, specialized for the Horeca pr products. Um, we are mainly serving for the casual dining solutions uh, with Bona. And we are operating globally. Uh, we are uh, based in Turkey. And um, we are existing in so far 92 countries all, over, all around the world. So um, this is uh, what we do and uh, who I am, actually. How many production facilities do you have? Um, we have two facilities, Jesper, uh, one in Istanbul, one in Belgic. Um, the new facility was opened um, during the COVID times. It's an, a good story. So um, we are operating with 1,000 people uh, now. We wow. have 1,000 people. Yeah. Great. So it's been, been, a, been a fast story. Yeah, yeah it's um, in Vitan 80s, it's, uh, it was quite a fast story. Also, uh, we had the COVID times up on that. <laughs> also, it's interesting to have within this story. Well, it was a very fast, very exciting and very good uh, journey for all of us. We become a global brand uh, in a very short period of time. Uh, in the Horeca industry, I think uh, it's very a very good story for everybody in the industry, I think. Uh, yeah, and I don't think I have to introduce myself to, to any of you, and I introduced myself to, to whoever was listening earlier uh, in, in the session with, with Australia and Germany, so um, I, I will leave it at that. Um, okay. Moving on to, to, to one of the key questions and one of the key topics, uh, of this podcast is uh, the COVID situation. Um, one, one thing we learned is that it hits really, really different depending on the areas of the world and, and the impact on the industry around the world has been different. Um, so you see, from, from my point of view, when we talk about the Nordics, we we were hit quite quite light in, in the beginning. And then we it got worse and then it kind of almost uh, came to, to a standstill where we had very, very low numbers of infected. Uh, most of the summer, um, or early summer and summer this year, we had basically no restrictions whatsoever. Uh, to yesterday, where we basically <laughs> were hit by a number of restrictions. Today, we are again above 10,000 infected in Denmark with a population of 5.5 million. So I, I actually expect that we will see more uh, restrictions coming in. All nightlife is now closed. Uh, restaurants uh, has to close at midnight at the latest. Uh, there is restrictions on how many people can be seated per square meter. Um, so there, there is a number of restrictions being imposed. And um, I've been trying to follow around the world, but I, I, on one area of the world where I don't know a lot is South America. So, Marcos, can you explain us a little bit about, you know, how this, this the, the COVID has impacted, you know, Colombia and the surrounding countries in South America and the industry? Absolutely. Absolutely, Jesper. Thank you. And, uh, well, you know, here in our region, we're always three, I would say, between three to four months late. Uh, so what hits Europe or the United States basically comes here three months later. Uh, and this has uh, been going on since COVID started, actually. So we, we only saw the first case of COVID-19 here in Colombia during the month of March. 
of uh, of last year. Uh, and you know, the pandemic started well December, January. So um, that's the story. Obviously, right now at the moment, if you ask me, we're going through the peak of the wave. We're going through the best times in Horeca. Uh, everybody's going out. Everybody's uh, uh, going out to restaurants, bars, country clubs, and they're they're having a great time. Uh, the industry per se is very active. Everybody's investing in new locations. The the restaurant chains, the hotel chains, are are beginning to recover, uh, I would say, because, you know, the hotel industry came later than the restaurant industry, at least in our region. Uh, so the recovery and the rebound has been unimaginable. It's something that we never imagined. And I, I think it's something like what happened in the U.S. and Europe uh, during the month of maybe the beginning of this year, like you said, Um and then uh, we, we started seeing this recovery and this rebound really strengthening and picking up during the month of May and June. Um, that with respect of COVID. So, so right now I can't complain. Of course, we're very happy. And what we hope for is that circumstances could continue this way. But listening to your uh, intervention and listening to the news of what's going on in Europe right now and everything... Well, everybody's like, I mean, we're like everybody, we, we don't know what to think about what's going to be the situation in a couple of months. And I would say the entire region in Colombia, uh, around Colombia and South America in general, it has behaved in the same way uh, regarding the Horeca industry and commerce in general. Leha, Turkey? Well, it's uh, Turkey. Um, was uh, I, I need to maybe answer this question in uh, two different perspectives because um, while we were acting globally, we um, we have seen the results of be starting from Asia to move to the Europe a little bit and then uh, move to the Americas. So um, it was quite interesting uh, for us to see how it spread it so fast. Um, in the beginning, in Turkish market, for Turkish market, it was not easy uh, to handle because um, we had restrictions and everything. But after, after the just after the restrictions, we had uh, we saw many financial issues uh, with the restaurants outlets of, uh, in the beginning, and then um, they handled this situation with the third party delivery companies, and uh, we had. We had a new sector growth. It was also interesting for us to see. And then the, they helped a lot for the restaurants for, uh, for them to deliver food to the home. So uh, it, was, it was the industry's, uh, how can I say, uh, reaction uh, to the COVID. Um, after, after the restrictions, of course, we got affected with the hotels and the tourism and everything. But we got back uh, normal quickly from the Europe, I must say. We, um, we started to have uh, restaurant opening packs, hotel openings uh, faster than Europe. And um, at the moment now, it is like how Marcos is uh, explaining his country. Uh, we are full, all the restaurants are full, all the nightlife is ongoing at the moment. And um, all the hotels are pretty, uh, pretty booked. Um, so um, this is this is this is how it is now. 
but we don't know uh, what's going to happen because we are also watching very closely what's happening in Europe and what's happening in USA. Even even we have a high number of cases every day. I think we are we have close thirty thousand people, twenty to thirty thousand people at the moment uh, got cases. But we we don't have hospital hospitalized people, so we don't have uh, tough restrictions. Let's say, but we are monitoring closely what's happening in Europe, and it's um, we are trying to be prepared for if there is a another uh, lockdown I we don't foresee but we don't know what's gonna happen of course well, but of course your international business is affected by this and has been affected heavily by it yeah for sure I mean the international business was interesting to interesting to experience uh, yes but for us you know um, one day everything was normal and uh, the next day is changing all the all the conditions country by country watching these and experiencing these and manage the business uh, during these times is really not easy and really interesting but um, now um, what we see what we are experiencing is pretty normal um, pretty like before i think uh, most of the countries is uh, find a way to manage with covid i hope it will uh, it will it will be better i hope of course there's there's a funny part of the story here that that marcos and dave don't know that in march of last year i was with reha in istanbul uh, <laughs> while actually we were out having dinner the night that the pm in denmark said that she was going to close down denmark so when my plane from Istanbul arrived, I was met by the police at the gate, <laughs> handing me a note that I was hereby in isolation for two weeks. So, uh, so exactly. there we were sitting joking about it because it hadn't really hit <laughs> Turkey or Istanbul, and I just came home to a closed country. Like exactly, thank you very much. So probably you got the final plane. Huh? Yeah, I, I, got, <laughs> I got the last plane out or the last plane yeah. out. At least it was you were on the plane, though. That's the important part. <laughs> That's <great>. right. <laughs> now, I think it's great that we have uh, both a manufacturer and a supply chain partner uh, here on this call because you get some unique perspectives. And everybody sees, uh, I think, whether you're in the U.S., whether you're in Turkey or anywhere around the world, you see it from your own per personal perspective. And uh, I'm not a manufacturer, although I, uh, I speak to lots of them, obviously, and also supply chain people. But I think that uh, <clears throat> here in America, uh, it is a it's an extremely difficult uh, time right now, but it's it's difficult in ways it depends upon where you go. Um, there are certain parts of the country. Marco said sound just like Colombia, where it's very robust. The, the operators are happening and you say, what COVID um, almost. And, and, but even there, there are problems. And when I say there are problems, it's problems of supply. Um, you have, you have their, uh, the sources of supply. Um, I don't know if it's all directly attributable to COVID, but you have tremendous supply chain problems here. That's number one right now. And number two, you have staffing problems. Even operators that have been, quote unquote, open and going very robustly, oftentimes are only, uh, they're doing five day a week schedule versus seven day a week schedule. So they're not fully back. They're working with 60% reduced menus 
So it's they they've they've the operators that still are operating in the U.S. have learned how to survive for the last 18 months. And now with this new wave uh, coming through, there are certain parts of the country that are being devastated once again. Uh, New York City, uh, all kinds of issues there. And uh, it remains to be seen whether independent operators, uh, how they will fare through this. Now, it's one thing for... I, I will preface everything by saying the most resilient people and most creative people I could ever imagine exist in the hospitality and the Horeca business. They're, they're tough, they're passionate, and they will, they, they'll find a way if there is a way. However, this has gone on for a long time. And what you have now, when it, particularly at the holiday season, when you have holiday parties, Christmas parties, New Year's parties, all these being canceled, um, even if I can figure out a way to stay open, I have no guests. And the guests who do come, um, they spend less. Uh, yes, it's, it, it, and it's true. I was in Charleston, South Carolina recently, and there's a place where you'd say, what COVID? People were spending very freely and whatever. But, but there's still issues for operators in our, in our industry. And the, uh, the supply chain issues, the staffing issues, they don't go away. And so a lot of those operators were operating, again, on a five-day schedule versus a seven-day schedule. So I think it's going to be years before some of the operators ever recover uh, their, their lost profits. Um, I have to say, to be honest with you, because of that resiliency and that creativity I mentioned, a lot fewer restaurants have closed due, permanently due to COVID than I expected. Um, I know in, in our other podcasts that we do, uh, we had talked about, we thought there'd be 30%, 35%, 40%. We had some guests that came on who were much more dramatic than that. But I don't think you've seen that. But, uh, but now, <clears throat> who knows and how long this goes on. And just as you start to come out, I mean, people's lifestyles have changed too. consumers who are going into restaurants and hotels and traveling have uh, lifestyle has changed. Um, what do I mean by that? In, in New York City, for instance, the office, uh, the, the, the office buildings in New York City, maybe there's 20 percent occupancy right now, 25 max. Depends on who you believe. So all that residual business that comes from those people being in those office buildings is gone. And when you go to the airports, the airports are very light and it's all tourism travel versus there's no business travel and business travelers typically were the big spenders. So, so there's all kinds of uh, ripple effects from the COVID uh, pandemic. And now, and now you have this new wave and who knows where that goes. So I, I think here in the U S to answer your question specifically, Jasper, I, I think it really depends on where you are. If you're in Florida or if you're in Texas, I, I lovingly say it's the Wild West, um, meaning that uh, it's hard to imagine that there is even a COVID problem. Um, but there is. And uh, in some places, it's much tighter control. Washington, D.C., New York City, some of these places are, are, are very tightly controlled. Um, and, and we'll see where it goes because they're, 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 they're pushing out the, the issues of lockdown. But I expect that they'll come to in certain parts, particularly in a place like New York City, maybe Chicago, that kind of thing in the, in the major cities. But those, that's big numbers. And uh, at some point, <clears throat> the landlords 
because uh, most of these independent restaurants, especially uh, people don't own the space. The landlords can't continue to push the rents out. And while there was help from the government before here in the U.S., not particularly like there was maybe in Europe, um, that additional help now for this latest wave of uh, you know, shutdowns and all that, uh, we don't see that coming, and there's not a lot of talk of it either. So it, this, may, this may be the worst wave of all in a certain way. Maybe, maybe not as bad for the, the COVID itself, but for the repercussions for the hospitality industry, it may be worse. I can say here that um, you know, we, the, the, the vaccine rate is pretty high in, in Europe in, in general. Um, so um, some countries, of course, higher than others, which, of course, help on the pressure on, on the health system uh, a lot. Um, and, and in general, we, we have had a very good summer uh, in, in the industry. Um, but being hit now by the new Omicron uh, version and being hit as hard as we are and, and also to an effect as fast as we are. Now, uh, one of the biggest issues here is the speed that it is spreading in. Uh, I can say from Denmark, we didn't have the first case until mid-November. But from mid-November until now, it has surpassed the Delta version uh, and is just continuing to expand and grow. Um, in November, uh, the government went out and they didn't, you know, you say impose restrictions, but they came up with advice to large companies, don't have your annual, large annual Christmas parties, don't do large social gathering. And that's when it started to hit the industry because the event companies, the catering companies were hit immediately. The large scale operators were hit. Um, and now when, when they passed the restrictions here uh, the past week, um, they again implemented compensation packages. Um, and, and what is very positive this time uh, compared to the last time is that they have made it optional for the restaurants to choose to close. If they choose to close by themselves it, and not being foreclosed or under lockdown, they can get 90% of their expenses covered by the state. Uh, which gives them an option to do the calculation saying, hey, I can't make money by staying open, um, but I won't lose that amount of money or I, I will break even uh, closing down. So I can choose to do that and go into some kind of hibernation and, and stay there. Um, and besides that, they, of course, did salary compensation as well. Um, and because of the speed, they have also been forced to, to do um, compensation for expenses to, to meet which left whatever is left over because they haven't had a chance to use it. Uh, and a lot of the, the, the stocking and the purchasing has been done is basically with the food items. So there's been a number of things. Um, so uh, Jesper, I have a quick question for you on that. Where does that money come from? I mean, it comes from the government, obviously, but doesn't that create a, a uh, level of inflation or rising prices just in general? We, we have had, uh, uh, looking into it, yes, um, we, we have had uh, an inflation here higher than normal. You know, the, the, the Danish and the Nordic and Northern European economy is extremely solid. Uh, no, we, we we don't have to fear it in that sense. But of course, it's a cost for, for the society in general. Um, and uh, our inflation is about 2.4%. 2. 2. But uh, this, this is 
very difficult to say this is because of the COVID. I think more it's the effects of the COVID that we have seen coming with increased transportation costs, mm-hmm. lack of raw materials, lack of goods, uh, which all in all is building up. Um, so I, I think it's a combination of a number of things. But, but what is very unfortunate is that we start to see a discussion uh, which is dealing into we and them. Um, you know, pe- people uh, are going like, why sh- um, does the big purse has to pay for all of the, the common big purse, uh, which is the taxes people are paying, have to pay for the restaurants, the hotels, the bars, the nightlife, getting a compensation package. Um, where you know, It's very easy to point fingers at that because everybody knows there's a bill to be paid somewhere. But you also need to think of the fact that these people are actually having then it's like you know, like I say to my friends or people I know when we are talking about this, is imagine you showing up for work and your boss calling you you into his office and he's saying, well, from on, tomorrow on, you will only get 50% of your salary or you will get no yeah. salary. This is basically what happens. And and, and mm-hmm. now when that happens, by no fault of their own, they need to be compensated. Of course, there will be some which are kept alive, artificial, by this, which might not have made it anyway. But the vast, vast majority now are sound businesses, good businesses, which which are supported in a way. Um, Are there um, no horeca businesses uh, going under during this? Of course, there is. And and unfortunately, too many. Well, I'd be interested to hear how uh, uh, Marcos in, is, sees it in Colombia in terms of the uh, rising costs and and Ria also in Turkey. Uh, um, I think from both from both the with Ria uh, Ebona seeing what uh, maybe you can explain a little bit about what you see your costs coming and and how that's impacting uh, what you pass on and then uh, Marcos maybe as you buy product. Uh, to distribute in Colombia, how that, what's going on with those, those, those prices for you? Great. So, so should I start or Rihan? Go ahead, Marcos, go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. So, so, uh, well, you know, it's, it's a, it's a very challenging question, Dave, because as you know, uh, it's been one of the biggest, um, mm, threats, to sales in our industry, looking at looking at it from a supplier point of view, why you know uh, originally in Colombia and South America in general, but let's we'll speak about Colombia. Uh, we have a very very weak currency, so we're always we've always suffered with uh, exchange rates and devaluation. Uh, before COVID, for example, just to give you an idea. Our, our currency had devaluated versus the U.S. dollar almost in 35, 40%. That was before COVID. So now when COVID hit and then we've had a, an additional 30% devaluation. Uh, and then we have to look at all the crazy um, increase of costs that are going on around the world. For example, you know, we, we import from different parts of the world. Uh, fortunately, not not so much from Asia because you know uh, containers from Asia have. I mean, the prices are unbelievable. Uh, not so much as as per Europe and maybe Turkey. Turkey's is is high. Uh, United States is is the lowest of all. Uh, 
Mexico. I would say it, it varies from different regions of the world. Obviously, when you look at a container that we buy from Asia, we would have to increase our prices almost in 40, 50%. Uh, but if we look at uh, uh, orders that we purchase from countries such as Turkey, manufacturers for our, our, our partner Bona, for example, uh, we have to, we, we've been obliged to increase prices 12 to 15% so far uh, due to the increase in costs. Uh, basically, what's what's hit us directly is the freight costs, uh, and uh, obviously our partners have been uh, obliged to represent some important increases in their price lists as well, because I'm, I'm sure they've suffered the same thing uh, as, as per raw materials. But of course, Reha can can speak a, a lot better about that that matter than I can. Um, so. Where do we see things going for next year? I think uh, prices will continue to rise now with this Omicron. Uh, unfortunately, I don't. We don't know where it's going to go. Inflation is is obviously very high in our country right now as well. It's over almost six percent too. Um, and what we did as a company uh, is that we purchased we purchased all the containers that we were able to purchase. Right now, since uh, last month and two months, two months ago, uh, because we want to be full of stock mm -hmm. to be able to to be as competitive as we can be for next year. We know that our competition is not doing the same thing. We know that they're uh, waiting uh, to see what's going to happen. And uh, at the end, we're betting it all. And we're going to be full of, of where to be able to provide our Horeca industry. And like I said before, from what we're going through right now, if things continue this way, we're going to have a great year. If things go if things go south because of Omicron or something else, well, I don't know. I guess we have to react and be creative as we did last year when we were closed for almost nine months as a company. Yeah. Wow. And Ria, uh, from a manufacturer's perspective? Yeah. Um... Like you said, Dave, earlier, um, it was outcome was a supply chain of the COVID mainly and uh, all the energy crisis and uh, supply chain problems um, and the monetizing, of course, because of those compensation packages, it's, uh, it's bring the inflation in. So um, we, we are facing some uh, price increasings, uh, all of these uh, reasons. So it's not easy to uh, get your raw material like before uh, because of the supply chain and the energy crisis uh, mainly. And uh, this pushes you to um, use your uh, cash power, cash stocks to get your um, raw materials on time or uh, keep the supply chain well. It's uh, bringing another burden on the stock level uh, because you have to be prepared uh, for, for, for the demand. So, um, uh, of course, in Turkey, being a manufacturer in Turkey has, um, has another challenge, like Marcos explained, um, with, the, uh, with the currency power, let's say. We, we don't have the uh, most powerful currency in the world, unfortunately. And um, only this month alone, I think, within a one and a, one and a half month, uh, we lost up to 80% against the foreign currencies which is very dramatic and uh, hard to 
hard to manage. And um, USA declared 6.8 um, inflation rate, if I remember well, and uh, it will it will go up. I mean, um, it's it have to because we, we we didn't we didn't see the uh, receipt of the COVID uh, yet. This is what I believe, uh, Dave. Like you said, it was it was below our expectations as well. The uh, bankruptcy. Let's say mm-hmm. it was below right. of our compens- uh, expectations, but it was because I think uh, the companies had used their uh, also cash stocks. They tried to survive and they, they survived with these compensation packages and so on. But when the inflation comes, when the price increase comes, it will push uh, the profitability down. It's, uh, it's a for sure. This is a result. Uh, it's an outcome. But... I believe in this industry because what you what you say uh, also earlier, um, we are in an industry that finds solutions uh, because um, yeah. all the all the people in this industry works operating daily, and they need to find creative solutions all the time. Uh, it's not because of COVID. It's not because of uh, the situation today. It was always like that because you are operating live. You have to find solutions to the problems immediately. So this makes you very creative, very responsive, and uh, very, very um, acting quickly. You know, just um, so. Yes, this, these costs will increase. Uh, from the point of view as a manufacturer, we are facing the energy costs increasing a lot. The gas costs, the en- uh, electricity is increasing a lot. So uh, it reflects to the, uh, of course. Uh, the product prices, because our manufacturing prices costs has increased significantly. Um, from today to last year, I think uh, in euro or US dollar wise, we had a 10 to 15% of increase of the, of the costs uh, from a manufacturer's point of view. We reflected to our prices in a low level, but uh, it will increase for sure during the year. Um, so uh, this is this is how we see uh, the situation. They well, it's it's not just raw materials either. Too, I, I know it's energy costs. It's it's uh, cardboard to packaging uh, everything. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, all the legs. Yeah. I mean, uh, when you when you are a manufacturer, you have to you have to watch everything closely. The feds. Are, uh, of course, uh, actions, uh, the the energy costs, the supply chain costs, what's happening in the, in China, what's happening in USA. It's always important for us to track. So, uh, in our operational costs, daily costs, as the packaging is another cost, energy is another cost, yeah. um, the workers uh, is another cost. So, um, it's we we have to monitor everything so closely. So, I, I can say. Since the last year to till today, we have 10 to 15, but I, I think we will have another 10 to 15 uh, during, during this year. This is what I, what I think, what I see. That's when, that's when you really realize the value of having great partners, great distribution partners, great wholesale partners in, in the various spots around the world. Is <clears throat> There's that good give and take and an understanding of what each partner is going through. So Definitely, great. yeah. When Dave, you say... I, I, Sorry. When you say it's a chain, it's it's a real chain. I mean, it is a real chain. Yeah, it's a real chain. 
I, I, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention something uh, that I consider important regarding the cost of doing business uh, mm -hmm. due to COVID. You know, uh, it, may, it may not be uh, a price reflected cost per se, but because we, we, we think that because of the rebound in the industries all over the world, uh, in our Horeca industry all over the world, you know, manufacturers uh, were overwhelmed with demand and they still haven't been able to uh, like, how, how do you say that? Like be on time with, with the demand, in fact. Uh, so what we've suffered is we've, we've been waiting for product from, from partners around the world for longer periods of time than ever. I mean, right. it's even tripled. So the cost is, 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 is now implicated in uh, well, poor customer service. And then some customers at the end of the day, they at least make you think that they don't understand the situation and, at the end, and they do, but you know, there's always uh, the, the need and then there's always the other alternative. Uh, so you end up maybe losing a customer because you didn't have the product at the right time. So it's, that's part of the cost of, of, of for us, of, uh, of what, what COVID has done, not only price-wise, obviously, but the, these, this supply chain um, delivery times have really, really changed. Yeah, I think the, the ability to... <clears throat> Going all the way back to the beginning of COVID, we've always felt that the, the ability to access resource uh, was going to determine who was going to be surviving and getting through this because nobody at the, still doesn't know how long this is going to continue. But if you don't have a, either have capital or have access to it, and that typically means money, but also staffing. Also, uh, uh, if you if you look at some of the large retailers in this country, uh, they're going to uh, uh, chartering their own cargo ships. Uh, that's access to capital that small independent retailers never could could find. And so I, I think it's <clears throat> we, we saw some operators go away. We saw some small consolidation of dealers and, and, and quite frankly, some manufacturers uh, who are very uh, small and maybe create niche products. Uh, I think that they, if they survive the first wave, it's going to be an even bigger challenge now. Now that's all the bad news. The great news here is what we've seen, especially in this past six months, or so is the the hospitality consumer and the pent-up demand for great hospitality and great dining experience. Uh, we've always believed that human beings are hardwired for connection and they prove it over and over again. So that business is coming back and and in and I don't think it's as price sensitive as we all thought it was going to be. I think when people will go out, they want to spend money, they want to enjoy themselves, they want to connect with other human beings. And that that is a, uh, um, a hardwired characteristic of, of humans all over the world. So we're in a great business. It's just going through a difficult time right now. Quite funny you mentioned that, Dave. Um, in, in the earlier podcast, we, we had a talk about it where um, Colin from Trenton uh, in Australia, mm -hmm. he mentioned the fact that you know, in his 25 years in the company, uh, he's never had to do uh, these kinds of price increases. 
but he has never had such a positive response from his customer to the price increases because they all know why. Now, it's not because they're pointing fingers saying, okay, you're trying to increase your margin. They they know there is is a need for this price increase. And also, funny enough, and and, and we see that here uh, as well, is that, uh, and I I don't know if it's this human thing that, you know, in tough times, you want to pamper yourself. And and now when you finally can go out, you want to socialize and then you buy a little bit more expensive days than you used to, or you go out once more more and one more time during the week than you usually do. And you need a good wine, you need a good glass, you know, you, you need a little bit and you pamper yourself a little bit more. And and the restaurants also do that. They they understand that and, and they start to purchase more expensive products. They lift the level a little bit to increase that part of the service. So so again it's a Great proof of what you said earlier about yeah. this creativity in the industry that you now it's an industry that's very fast to catch the trends and are very fast to move into it. And it makes it extremely resilient to, to whatever comes. And, yeah, it's a very resilient industry, that's for sure. And 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 and, and it's amazing to me what pe- what lengths people do and how creative they can be to to sort of find their way through whatever period you go through right now. Yeah, and and I think it's amazing, you know, what just what what we saw here that uh, some of the places that were, were forced to close during the weekend, uh, you know, they some of the places they cooked dinners which they they gave away some yeah. food packages that uh, people could come and collect, um, you know, all, all, try to do some different things, and and the ones that are open still they can see okay we need to reduce the seats with 20 30 percent but at least we are open so we can do seats and then they start to lift the experience a little bit because they know it's christmas people want to go out people want to socialize and people are dying to socialize they they want to be out there so I, I would look at I look at Marcos and and Rio and I say these young people in our industry they're going to look back on this in, the, in in a few decades and say that period was the craziest time ever, but they'll be much stronger and wiser and and, and the whole industry will be will ultimately be be more robust and I I've used the analogy before and I think it still holds up is that it's like a uh, a fire that clears dead wood in a forest. The other trees that come up through from that uh, are cleared the way. Are, are, it's a stronger forest in the long run. I think for sure. And and uh, I've always said, well, not always, but since this this pandemic started, that the normal we, we knew before the pandemic uh, is gone. It's going to yeah. be a new normal that we are entering, a much more uh, flexible. We, we need to be adapt quicker, we need to act faster in the industry, uh, and, and we need to be creative. We need to find ways of working. Um, and also, you know, down to the fact, and look at big catering companies that used to do company canteens here in Europe. That was a huge business, yeah. uh, you know, which which has just been downscale over the past year and a half because, you know, people are working from home. A lot of companies are saying, okay, we don't need this huge headquarters anymore we, we scale down so that operation is also big events the companies are not doing that anymore in the same scale um even when it's not restricted so we see a difference and, and they're looking at it differently uh, but always trying Mar- i have a question for marcos marcos uh you're the closest one in this group to the operators um themselves is is uh our is it strictly uh, during COVID in, in, in these particular times, is it strictly a case of survivability or do other 
uh, value kind of things like sustainability and, 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 and marketing and all, do, do they still have a role or they've been thrown to the side and, uh, forsaken for just the ability? I got to survive. Is that the mentality now? Or are we still, are we still uh, conscious about uh, recycling and, and uh, sustainability and those kinds of aspects or where's the operator's head at right now? Well, I thank you, Dave, for the question. I believe that uh, it's it's very, very, very uh, fix, fixated and in, in, in still, even, even with COVID and even having to survive something like COVID, I think operators are still very worried and very, very concerned and very conscious of sustainability because, you know, consumers uh, at the end and, you know, new generations, this is something that's never going to end. Um, it's something that's, that's, that's going to change the world and um, even psychologically and, and, and the way youngsters and younger people think nowadays is going to have an impact on the way they look at the, 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 the offer uh, the, in the Huraka industry in the future. So uh, I think that at least in our country, we notice that people uh, and customers and the industry in general is very conscious about continuing to work towards a sustainable environment and sustainable business, obviously. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, sustainability is a marketing differentiator. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And they, you know, uh, before COVID, there were like some, some new dinnerware material products and, uh, and then their manufacturers are always looking to see how they can make their products more sustainable, more eco-friendly and everything. Yeah, and, I was going to uh, ask Ria about that as a manufacturer. How do you do? How do you handle that whole issue? Yeah, it's um, for us now. Is David sustainable production is uh, not to not a good good to have thing. It's a must thing now today because every single day it's getting harder to uh, supply raw materials or manage the energy as before. It's all because uh, we did not act hundred percent sustainable way like for, for all human beings I'm speaking about. So every single sector and every single person must aware of this threat and act upon it. Uh, unfortunately, world is uh, sick today and we still have to chance to heal our world. So uh, we must be aware of that and we must act uh, upon that. We must act res responsibly. So uh, for Bona, is a sustainability topic is a very, uh, very big topic and very strategic uh, topic. Um, in every part of uh, our production and our, all of our uh, processes, like we work in the office, we, uh, we put sustainable pr priorities in our life. So um, it's, it's not just uh, bringing out a sustainable product or recycled product. It's, it's all about how you act as a person, as a human being. Uh, so we are trying to uh, reduce carbon footprint in our production, um, in our uh, packaging, in everything. We are recycling our waters, our energy, etc., our raw material so far as well. So uh, we uh, we had some partnerships and uh, we had we had a collection uh, for sustainability uh, matters. Uh, we are trying to drive attention to the sustainability and uh, trying to get awareness on that. So uh, for us, it's very important topic, Dave, because um, if we don't do this, as I said, it's not, it's not a good to have thing, it's a must. 
And uh, all the outlets of Horeca must aware of that food waste, must, 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 be, must be aware of the energy uh, and everything. They have, to, uh, they have to be much responsible. So we are the ones as manufacturers or uh, the professional of this industry. We must create awareness of, for everybody, for all of us. So this is how we see, um, actually. I have to admit that I've, I've been actually been a bit surprised. Uh, it's it's no secret in this audience that I, one of my key mantras is sustainability and circular economy, yeah. and, and I'm working a lot with it. But but I have to have to say that I'm a bit impressed by my fellow human beings in all of this. Is that I, I was sure once we reach. February, March of last year, and we, we saw COVID uh, rolling in over the different parts of the world that this would be like the key focus. You know, we, we've got to fight to survive. Uh, also, the consumers uh, would, would lose the focus. But, but actually, what I've seen in at least a large part of the world is even maybe even an increased focus and an even increased sense of responsibility being shown by both by the consumers or the guests of, of, of the industry, but also by the operators and the manufacturers, of course. Uh, but, but there is a true commitment towards this, okay? I live in a part of the world where the government helps that commitment along because they're, in, you know, they're, they're spearheading this as always front runners. They're imposing taxes to force the companies to reduce their carbon footprint, the CO2 footprint, and be aware of all of this, buying local. But there is also a very strong demand coming from, from the customers, both companies and private people, going to the restaurant and, and, and then really putting a, a, a strong demand towards the restaurant saying, hey, what is this? What is this? And 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 as, as Reha says, um, it, it's not a question. It's a good thing. It, it's a must. And, and yeah future i see this as one of the key key points in order for for companies to survive in the industry for the future it is the sustainability matter and the circular economy because this this is a very very big topic and it's going to be even bigger in the future and i don't know how it is in the u.s Dave. Um, yeah I, I i think it is i think it's uh traversed from being simply a marketing point to a lifestyle choice. And I think consumers, it's driven by the guests who go in. They, and, it, and it's not just when they go to a restaurant, it's when they go to a, a grocery store or when they go to a shopping where they want to know the, the, the provenance of that product that they're buying. What, who are they buying it from? I think there's a higher and higher awareness. Now, the demographic of that is it skews a little bit younger. Um, that's okay. But the point is it, it's a growing tide uh, or rising tide of awareness, uh, I think, for sustainability. And I don't think it's ever, I mean, uh, you know, I think electric cars, uh, for instance, just to take one category that's not in Hereka, I, I think people are uh, hungry for those. And, and when somebody comes up with the right mix of affordability, uh, style and design, and uh, you, that, that whole category will explode. But, but we can, and, and maybe what Jasper, maybe what we should do is have a separate podcast just on sustainability. Because it sounds like we could go a while on this one. I, I could go on forever. I, I love it. You know, I, I live yeah. in a part of the world. From January, I have to separate my garbage in 12 different bins. You know, 12? 12 different bins. <laughs> how far we that's, are. 
Yeah. Hey, I want to switch this over to Ambiente a little bit because there's a there's a great trade show in Frankfurt every February called Ambiente, and we're all planning to go there uh, in February. What are we expecting? Hmm. For, 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 for me, the question... Yes, for, of, for an exhibitor right there. For an exhibitor for me, all right. Yeah. Um, a major exhibitor, Bona. Ah, thank you. I flattered. Um, well, what we expect, I think uh, we, missed, we missed to participate in international affairs, especially in Ambiente, because Ambiente for us is a very important show to participate because more or less all, all the countries will be there, I hope, um, it's always has been like that. And it's the most exciting, one of the most exciting table shows, tableware shows for us uh, to participate. What we are expecting, I think, uh, lots of new things uh, from the manufacturers because um, most of the trade shows, uh, companies could not, could not attend uh, in the previous years. So uh, many companies has many different things, uh, many uh, new things um, to show. So it will be very exciting, I think. Um, the new solutions after COVID, uh, new, new ideas uh, will come out. Uh, from Bona's perspective, uh, Bona's point of view, we, uh, we will show uh, a sustainable range, uh, which like we uh, before. Yeah, it's, um, <laughs> it's a different uh, awareness collection. It's not uh, because of our... Trading reasons, let's say it's an awareness collection. So um, what we will show more uh, with the new food trends, with the new consumer trends, uh, we uh, we will show new products there. Um, I think um, a new world, uh, new horeca world, uh, will show some signals uh, during the ambiente. Uh, I know many manufacturers, uh, many of our competitors, valuable competitors, prepared very well. So uh, I think it will be an exciting show. Well, Ambiente, of course, is the world's largest consumer goods show. So exactly. you have people coming from all over the world. So it's a great chance to put your best foot forward. Exactly. And Marcos, uh, as a, a uh, I guess, an attendee there, yeah. what, will you, what will you be going to uh, Frankfurt looking for at Ambiente this year? Well, I think uh, uh, Reha just mentioned something that 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 is very true, which is let's see what the industry is going to start reflecting in the middle of COVID still, I guess. But uh, this is going to give us a nice perspective of what the new normal, at least in our industry, um, might continue to might might be as far as design trends and. Uh, Obviously, um, uh, new ideas that 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 are gonna that are gonna change and really dramatically are, are, are the way that we that we that we serve our customers or, or our customers serve their customers. So um, you know, you you mentioned something, Dave, that uh, I remember very clearly, and you you said it uh, a few minutes ago, is that this this Horeca industry has proven to be very resilient. Uh, of course, the people behind the Horeca industry are the ones that have proved to be very resilient. And at the end, all of us are going to, to Ambiente because we believe in this industry and this business. Uh, we're looking forward to new, to new ideas and for a, 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 new, a, new, a, new, a new stage. Um, 
And uh, like I said before, BPU in, in our case is we're betting everything into, into the future of Oreca, uh, as well as our partners, of course. We know that they are too. So I'm sure it's going to be a great show. Of course, we're, we're a little afraid about the, the, the new variant and everything, you know. I Myself, for example, this, I'm, I'm getting my fourth vaccine uh, in December you got 28th. Four. I, got, I got Johnson & Johnson first in April. You're not I, taking I'm any my, chances. You're getting them all. I, 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 I'm getting four. I'm getting my booster and a second booster. So uh, I'm, I'm all, all, ready to, all ready to go to Frankfurt. Yeah. Uh, That's great. I hope to see you on my three sessions at the Horeca Academy. <laughs> well, yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. We're going to cover um, actually part of what we talked uh, about today with the new normal. Um, and also I'm, I'm going to do two sessions about sustainability um, and, and how I see that in, in the future and, and the impact um, on the Horeca industry for the future. Um, absolutely. So, so Dave, what are your expectations? Well, I, I, I think it's, a, it, it's, uh, it's actually a couple of things. <clears throat> and I'm looking, always looking for new innovations and new solutions, new creativity. And, and there'll be plenty of that, I suppose. But I'm also looking for <clears throat> uh, the visions of companies and uh, uh, particularly the exhibitor companies. Uh, and start with, stay with that for a second. Um, I'm looking for... What the strategy is, the longer term strategies are for companies, and, and oftentimes they're not articulated specifically, but you, you can, we've all been in trade shows for many years. And so you can step onto a booth and you can, you get a, you get a vibe of certain vibe of things. And uh, what are these companies that uh, exhibit, uh, what are they projecting? Uh, are they projecting uh, price? Are they projecting trust and reliability? Are they projecting creativity and, and new products? And then how does that fit with what you know the DNA of that company to be? I think, I think if I was a startup company in Hereka right now, I think it's a great time to be starting a new company in Hereka. Because I think the operators probably, Marcos would know this better, but I think they're hungry for new products that they can get right now and maybe in, in particularly a local supplier of small sorts and so so you say maybe if i'm a small manufacturer of whatever product in in the middle of the, of the usa why would i ever go and exhibit at ambiente well i think it's a great chance if you ever have thought about supplying people uh and and having a unique product for the horeca business i think now is one of the best times ever to do that and and i think frankfurt is a incredible platform there because you see everything you see the world's most creative products oftentimes in in, in times like this at a show like ambiente so I, I i i'm looking for that on the attendee side i'm looking to to listen a lot on the attendee side i want to hear what the the attendees what they're feeling about the future is and what their confidence level is are they buying because they believe that there is a future or are they looking for that one or two two things that will make a difference for them uh, in their particular marketplace. I understand that the show is mostly a consumer show, but more and more hotel, restaurateur, chain, chains in particular are attending uh, Ambiente. So there's a lot of, lot of uh, um, top to top types of conversations. And, I, and, and I'll be listening for a lot of that. Yeah, and, and if I may add, add on, I think um, 
know, one, one of the key words that, that I experience in the areas where I work, and I did a podcast yesterday um, where we talked about adding value. I think one of the key uh-huh. words, both as a producer or manufacturer today, they're both going into Horeca, but also going into retail, but also as a wholesaler, is to add value to your food chain. You know, a producer, you, you got to come up with the new items. you got to come up with tools which are practical and help your customers, which meaning the, the customers of your customers, the distributors, customers, the end users, in getting the, as high a price for their food presentations, uh, whether it's food or drink, as humanly possible. So you have a responsibility. You now that the wholesalers has a responsibility through uh, the sales force and 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 the presentation and the marketing and the sales of these products. And and as an outlet, as an old chef and as an old bartender, I know it's your responsibility to help your business by getting you know, a top price for whatever product you're producing. Uh, no matter what type of restaurant you are, you want to have the best possible price for your product. And, and it needs a good presentation. And our presentation is 25% of the experience. So, so I think that maybe more than ever, we can walk around on a show like Ambiente and sense, as you said, the companies, where are they? You know, are, are they catching what is going on? Are they into the sustainability part? Are they into the adding value part? You can see that and you can you can sense that once you enter the booth. And it's going to be interesting to see, you know, who's there, who's moving forward um, and who's got it, if you can put it like that. Yeah, I, I love that lead in, Jasper, because I've always felt that tabletop within Hereka, it's, it's really, that's on the front lines of the guest impressions business. And tabletop to me has been one of those ways, one of the, we talk about adding value. If you want to add value to your dining experience, one of the easiest way to do that is through great tabletop. Uh, it's visual, it's tactile, it's, it, 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 it hits all the senses basically. And uh, so I think tabletop is a, a phenomenal category for that. And the tabletop manufacturers, uh, producers sometimes get caught up in it's stronger, this, that, and the other thing, and it's it costs less or costs more, or whatever. And, and they're more in the in the in the what I would call pragmatic part of it. I would wish that all manufacturers got that magical part that a great wine glass can d- deliver to a guest. That magic of uh, even a even a mediocre wine tastes a lot better in a great wine glass. And, and the, the, the cocktail business, Jesper, which you know very, very well, is one of the best ways to do that. You can take a basic glass and you can, uh, and you can just create an, a totally different uh, guest experience with the right cocktail inside that glass. And it's all about that guest experience because at the end of the day, the guest who, who sits in those chairs in these restaurants and stays in these hotel beds, they, they're the ones paying the freight for this, for all of us. So. You know, Dave, just if, if I may, uh, yeah. and what you're saying is very important, of course, you know, social media has had a huge impact in our tabletop business. And Absolutely. I speak as a supplier and I've been hitting, hitting the streets on the last couple of months. I usually do this once a year, like two months of the year. I, I go with, with our, just go out with our team or some members of our team in different countries of different cities of our country and visit some customers and Bogota, obviously, which is our capital city. Uh, and I've been listening to the same the same comment over and over again. And is you know, 
I can't have, uh, I got to look out for my, for the way I present my tabletop or my, or my table or my customer, right. because it's going, it's going to go on Instagram. So I can't yeah, have people, right. I can't have people going on Instagram with bad uh, dinnerware or, or just lousy serving or whatever. So yeah. uh, it's part of it. It's, I think it's, it's, it's an important aspect of what has made, for example, Bona so huge in our country, for example. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, it's uh, with a, with, and for the operator, they've got to balance off food costs. I, we listened to one operator the other day say that his uh, steak costs had gone up 60 to 70 percent. And, yeah. and then, and then uh, later in the day, I have a conversation with a manufacturer of tabletop products, and they're, they're worried about a 15 percent price increase for their products. I understand that 15 percent is out of the norm of where we've been. But when you when you take into account stakes are going up sixty and seventy percent, right. um, it in I don't want to say it's all relative, but um, listen, the the guest is hungry, pun, all pun intended. There, hungry for a great experience in dining out. It's that hardwired guest for we are all hardwired for connection with other human beings. And I think actually right now, and this is this is why I mentioned the added value part. That right yep. now. And uh, I also had the same response for the two gentlemen I, I spoke to earlier today that, you know, it, because people are aware that prices are going up and people understand that there is a price increase, they're not, not the guests we have in, in, in the restaurant industry are not afraid to pay, but they also have expectations. And, and when, you know, when you use your tableware correct, and when you, when I, I said, as I usually say, you know, you guys know me, I'm very direct. And then say you know, the ones that got the picture and, and understands that with a little bit extra effort put into the production or the design of your tableware, you help the end users lift the presentations. And suddenly it can carry a price increase of 20, 25%, which allows the food, food, food chain to make a profit or stay in business. Because, but it, all it takes is a little creativity and a little bit of common sense, because we all know it. Now, we all like to see when we go out a nicely dressed plate, an amazing cocktail standing in front of you. Um, and once you see that, you, you get positive, you, you know, you, you can live with all the restrictions, you can, you can survive the lockdowns, you feel better, you pamper yourself you know, a little bit on the shoulder, and you pay the extra $5 for, for that meal and for that experience, and you're happy paying it because you get your needs fulfilled. I, I would say it again is, is that the greatest times in all our lives is when we sit down at a table with family and friends and those that we love and have a meal together. It's uh, it's simply the best. And uh, my final question for for everybody uh, is when do we get back to not a new normal, but a, the future normal? And, and what does that look like? When do we get back to that, guys? I can start out. And I think. Really? That, uh, yeah, OK. Um, from what's per perspective future normal for our lives or for our industry? Because I have two different questions uh, answered. Both. For, for our industry, I mean, uh, it's uh, tomorrow because every single day we are facing a new normal in our industry. Uh, like you explained, very perfect way. We are very, uh, we have very positive people, creative people in the industry and uh, when they when they face a problem, they find a solution. We we always uh, find different type of people like in in this industry. So, I think uh, there is no future normal 
for for the industry. We are living in it. Every day is a different normal for us, especially since the last year. But uh, we will adapt fast. I think uh, that won't be an issue because um, I think in our conversation, in our chat, in our great podcast we have, I think we uh, mentioned a lot how people behave. Um, the, it is not a luxury. It's a need for, for all of us to spend uh, some good time with our friends, uh, to socialize together. It's, we need it. We want, we, want to, we want to experience this. So uh, this, this, give, this, feels me, uh, this gives me a feeling like people will find a way to go out and consume in a different way. And this industry will find a different solution to this behavior. So uh, this, is, this is what I think, um, because now the trends are changing. There are more sharing food. There are different type of open buffet solutions. So we adapt so fast last year. So we are living in our future normal. So this is, this is for, for our industry. So the, the, our- next, the future normal is tomorrow. Yeah, for it's tomorrow. Uh, for yes, this is the answer. So uh, for our lives, I don't know uh, how it will end or what will what will it bring. But um, I think I think we human beings we will find a way to survive. So uh, just we have to take care of our world, take care of our uh, responsibilities. We need to we need to be aware how we live, how we spend, how we consume. This is, this is the key. So uh, this is uh, my final answers, let's say, with the, uh, with the two important topics of this tonight. So, yeah. And Marcos, how do you see the future? Well, if we, if we look at it from a Horeca perspective, point of view, you know, I feel so relieved uh, because I have to say that uh, last year, during the months of June, July, uh, everybody even thought about the possibility of uh, our industry disappearing. And, you know, there were articles all over the place and comments. And then, uh, well, now you said it before and I'll say it again. Uh, we proved resilience and we proved that human beings are made uh, to have fun. And I think that it's part of what what us humans have learned from this pandemic and as people want to live their lives in a certain way, uh, they don't want to wait, uh, so much as for the future. Uh, they want to go out now. They want to go, uh, and celebrate now. They want to go spend now. And, um, everybody has adapted fairly well, at least in our country to going out to places, and just going in with a face mask and then you sit in your table and you take it off and you eat and then you put it on again and you go out and we've adapted to that. So for, for us in, in Horeca, I think it's not a matter of sales because restaurants are packed at the moment and we think they're going to continue to be packed. Hotels are packed for the end of the year and they're going to continue to be packed uh, maybe with some ups and downs obviously because of this, these variants, but eventually we believe it will be over. If you look at pandemics in history, it's taken four or five years. Uh, eventually we will be at the same place where we were before without face masks, hopefully. Uh, when will that be? I don't know. Uh, I like, I like Reha's uh, mindful uh, intervention about making it now. 
or tomorrow, which is uh, shorter term. I think that that's also uh, something we've learned from the pandemic. And it's, uh, we can't we can make plans uh, into the future that far away. We have to make plans in a shorter, shorter term. So for example, our strategic planning for this company is now a two-year plan. It's not a five-year plan anymore, right? So future normal, uh, it's adapting. I mean, we're adapting to it and eventually we'll be where we started, where we were before again, I guess. Because it's happened in, in all pandemics uh, in history. I mean, I mean, you know, the, 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 we have the resilience as humans to, to rebuild ourselves, to rebuild cities after wars. Yep. And at the end of the day, it's the same thing that's going to happen with, with our industry for sure. Hey, Jasper. Yeah, I think I would hate to put a date on anything, but I think uh, Reha's point is, is very valid. Um, and and I, as I said earlier, now I'm I'm honestly impressed when I look at people in the industry. I've been in this industry all my life, basically born and raised into it. Um, and and I just see that uh, it, it it's really big, full of creative people. People are resilient. They they act. They don't wait. They act. Now, when we had the restrictions here, uh, we were a couple of guys saying, okay, now everything was locked down. What do you do? We, we started on Facebook. We, we started a group, you now uh, take out in the local city. So uh, invited all the small pizzerias, the, the, the fast foods into it. And within a week, you had like 15 restaurants in this small city where I live delivering now at decent prices to people, the option of, 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 um, purchasing takeaway now having this and it was not only pizzas and burgers it was meals traditional danish cooking you know it was finer dining it, everybody did it so you find ways and you adapt and this is this is part of the dna of the industry you know people are creative people are resilient so they will find ways so i think we, we will find a way whatever brings but being able to adapt and react fast I think that's going to be some of the key words for the future. And then we will see where, where it brings us. Um, no, I, I, I'm, I'm not for no fortune teller. I cannot say that uh, on this date in 2023, everything is over, everything is perfect. Because I think that the future we, we will see will you know, force us to, to act faster and adapt. You know, so we, we, we are being proactive instead of sit and wait. Uh, and I think that that is part of the things that we need to deal with in this industry for the future. And this is also one, one of the reasons why now this getting together in the industry at trade fairs and so on is so important because one of the ways we can be proactive is listening and learning what is happening mm -hmm. in other places. No, uh, no, uh, as nobody has made it on their own, not even the biggest minds in history. They have always had people around them. They always had people to listen to. And I, I think that's important for the future. Yeah, one of the greatest things about the Ambiente show in Frankfurt <clears throat> is the not only the products you see and the people you meet, whatever, but it's the inspiration you get from the educational uh, sessions, the Horeca Academy, and all the learning that goes on and the exchange of information, really very inspiring. A lot of passionate people there, and it makes it uh, all worthwhile. Exactly. I think that we, we basically covered uh, everything uh, we 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 set out to do um, in the session um, 
I don't think there's that much to, to add to it. I think we covered uh, and, and came around the topics really, really well. Um, I don't know if any of you have something to add. Um, some I'd just like to say thank you, Jesper, to you for organizing this. This has really been terrific. And um, congratulations to you for putting all this together. No, 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 no. Don't thank me. You know, I'm, I'm a social guy. I'm dying uh, to socialize. And I know you guys for 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 quite some time. Marcus, the longest um, man. I don't even want to think about how long we've known each other. <laughs> yeah. Embarrassing. Uh, by the way, best regards to your mom and dad. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. I, I will tell them, Jesper. No, um, no, but it's, it's been a true pleasure. And uh, I want to thank you for your time. Uh, I want to thank you for participating actively. I want to wish all of you and your families you know, a safe Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Um, you know, some of you I will see sooner, but uh, if not, uh, I will see you guys uh, in Ambiente for sure. And yeah. please come and look up the Horeca Academy. Well, thank you again. It's uh, been a pleasure. And Ria, uh, uh, my best regards to you and all the team at Bona and uh, best, best uh, luck for success in 2022. And same to you, Marcos, and your team down there in, uh, in Colombia. Thank you so much, Dave. Thank you. Thank you so thank you. much. Thank you all. Thank you, Thank you Jesper. Thank you, Dave. Uh, and Reha, it was great to see you. We hope to see you all. I hope to meet you personally, Dave. I haven't met you personally. I haven't had the pleasure, but hopefully in February. We'll do that for sure. Okay. That was a pleasure for me as well. Thank you very much for uh, your invitation and great chat we had. Hope to see you in Ambiente. And Jesper, my last word is this podcast is why Tabletop Matters. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Stay safe, guys. Stay safe. Stay safe. See you soon. Thank, Thank you. you.